I'm Janine, and this is Outside the Box. Standing by to join us on today's show is Dr. Christine Miller, President and CEO of Mental Health America Los Angeles. Dr. Miller began her role as President and CEO of Mental Health America of Los Angeles back in September 2017. She brings with her more than 25 years of leadership experience in social service, behavior health, and medical care roles in nonprofit, mental health, medical, and university settings. Her greatest area of focus has been on the development of innovative care and services for individuals experiencing mental illness, trauma, and substance addiction, especially among those experiencing poverty, and the development of teams to provide that care. Welcome to the show, Dr. Miller. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Um, We had talked before we got started uh, about the fact that we are in a mental health pandemic, and it wasn't just because of COVID, it was happening well well before. That's right. I think there has been a widespread mental health pandemic even before COVID. We've We've been dealing with a lot of trauma as a society going back years. Mm-hmm. Um, and P- there's only recently been an awareness that the whole construct of, of mental health and mental illness, it's not a binary phenomenon where you either are mentally ill or you're not. Yeah. Um, and what we've come to realize is that it's a continuum. Everyone has mental health. It's challenged more on certain days than other days. It's challenged more at certain times in our lives. And lately, the external environment and everything going on over a very long period of time has challenged everyone's mental health, regardless of where you started along the continuum. I feel that in a positive way, things have changed for, um, let's say, Gen Z, for example, where they're apt to, some some are apt to say, you know what, I need a mental health day, or people are, are beginning to talk about their mental health more. Are you seeing that? I think that's definitely true. I think Gen Z is more capable of talking about these kinds of meaningful things more easily with their friends and people they're close to than people in different generations. Um, I think Gen Z has suffered a lot during this pandemic Mm -hmm. because I I have a son who's turning 21 in a week and he started college. He was in living on campus came home in March and has been with us the last two years because of the pandemic. So they've they've lost pieces of really exciting times in their youth where they'd be doing other things. Sure. But they've also, one of the things that's impressed me the most is they're, because they're so well-equipped to use online and electronic media, mm-hmm. they're able to make connections that people in other generations don't make. Um, so there's been a huge amount of trauma and costs, but they're, they as a generation have unique coping skills that I have immense, re- I've developed immense respect for it. Um, a lot of them have made friends during the pandemic because they're in discord chats and talking to people online and yeah. connecting to people in other cities. And so they, um, it's a unique generation in that sense. I agree. I mean, that has been one of the positive benefits of technology is the connection that we have with people that we can't see because we're socially isolated and, you know, we, we haven't been able to travel and do things. So um, do you, 
do you see the flip side of technology? Because I've been hearing stories too from my daughters saying, you know, there's this comparison on Instagram and, and I mean, I don't think I could have handled it being 15 or 16 and looking at people that I thought were, you know, perfect looking and then comparing to myself. I, I think that happens a lot. I, I think um, it may be true for girls and boys, mm-hmm. um, but it happens for, for that age group in general. But that, that generation is all over the place in terms of the media they're using. Um, they might use Instagram a little bit, or they may form a group of people working on a particular thing, building a server, um, engaged in things in engineering and building an app. Yeah. Yeah. Creating things that they want to do and they make friends doing that. And those yes. friends are up and down the coast. They're in other states. They're all over the place. Um, I think for, for, could you imagine what the pandemic would have been like? without the internet, without Zoom. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. We would all be sitting in a corner. I mean, it would have been awful. Um, Everyone complains about Zoom meetings, and I'm the first one to admit I'm sick of Zoom, but it has been a lifesaver. But for Gen Z folks, they they were already there. Right. They could pivot. They didn't have to pivot. They knew how to use it. Yes. I think what they've missed, though, is that in-person contact. Unfortunately, the numbers are going down and now they're going out and having dinner with all those people they met during the pandemic online. Yes, yes. Which is great. How would you describe Gen Z in like a word or two? Is that even possible? Like, does anything come to mind? Open. Okay. um, Diverse. I think that they're one of the first generations that's really colorblind. They... um, they very much accept people from different backgrounds. They're, they're just, their groups are all mixed up regardless mm-hmm. of where people came from. Or, I mean, I know if they live in a certain geographic area, they may, you might tend to just know people who live in your neighborhood. And if you grew up in an all white neighborhood, you would only know white folks. Yeah. But if you're online and you're communicating with people all over the place, you're gonna be exposed to a much broader group of people. So I think they're, I think they're more open. I think that they form friendships quickly online. I think that they um, are more able to just say, well, this is, this is garbage. Or I don't like that. They'll confront each other, be confronted and deal with it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that amazes me, they have, they could teach older generations how to resolve conflicts just by talking to each other. Yes. I think they have a lot to teach us about being better humans because the things they stand for. I mean, I remember going to a protest with my daughter. I was in here doing work and she's like, excuse me, I'm making this poster. Um, You know, I have George George Floyd's name on it and Rihanna. And um, would you come with me to a protest, mom? I mean, to me, there was only one answer. Sure. Shut the laptop down. Let's go. And it was quite an education for me and to just sit and observe Gen Z in this huge crowd, it was, it was so meaningful. I think they were in many ways, just part of the, the heart of Black Lives Matter and, and what went on a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Um, I think they fueled that. Yeah. And I, it, I have a lot of hope for their generation in terms of what they're going to do um, for social justice. Yeah. A lot of optimism. I, I feel that um, people need to take the time to understand 
sit in their shoes with, if you don't have kids, especially Yes, because they've they've faced so many struggles. And you and I talked about, you know, what about the um, underserved communities? You know, what about, as I mentioned, different, you know, areas where students are not getting their needs met? You know, they're judged based on the color of their skin, their um, their economic status, et cetera. I think Gen Z has more of a sense of fairness that they And they take it for granted. It's like, well, of course, all these people should have these things that I have. Um, And the ones who don't have it are more able to say, I should have that too. And and that's really important. You know, it was um, something I wanted to share with you too. I had this conversation with a psychiatrist from a, a local school, and he was telling me that even at a school that's very affluent and somebody gets a scholarship, that student might sleep in their car and go to the food bank over break because they can't afford to fly home and be with their parents. And I feel this is a time to be very compassionate, peer to peer or, you know, adults to Gen Z, because you don't know what somebody's going through. Exactly. Um, and I think there are a lot of cases of that colleges across the country have a it's a common thing to have students who are homeless. Um, they may sleep on campus, they'll sleep in their car, they'll mm-hmm. shower in the gym, um, they'll go to the, a lot of campuses have food banks now, they'll go get food, uh, they'll, they'll buy fast food, they're just, they're surviving and able to attend college because they're not paying rent. Yeah. Um, and it's a big issue. A lot of colleges, fortunately, are taking it up and looking at how do we serve this population. A lot of college campuses have room to build more sleeping quarters or to have a safe parking area where students who don't have um, an apartment could park their car safely and have restrooms to use and other things. So it's, we're moving forward with trying to address it um, because the last thing we want is for these students to drop out. Right. But it's, there's a lot of inequity. How do you think we're going to get through this mental health pandemic? Is it, I mean, I see it as you know, policy changes need to be made. I mean, we talked about how, you know, STEM was adopted. STEAM, why isn't mental health a priority as part of that model? Well, we actually, I'm part of a number of organizations where we're doing advocacy to get more funding for mental health. It's an ongoing thing. Um, In his State of the Union address, President Biden announced um, help in the area of mental health. In California, there's a big emphasis on it. There's funding coming down from the governor. So there's a recognition of it. Um, But there's also a recognition that that most of the people with mental health problems never get any help. And the numbers are shocking that 40% of youth experience significant anxiety and or depression or both. It's very, very high right now. It may not be high enough to to give it a label or a diagnosis, but people are really suffering. Then there's just kind of going in and out of feeling bad, which is what most everybody does because of everything that you see. When you see images in the media that are traumatic, it affects you and you absorb it emotionally. So I think there is help and resources coming down the pike. There's, I'm part of a, our agency, it's part of a much larger effort to make mental health part of the curriculum. Great. 
K through 12, where you get information out to students, where we get mental health, more mental health professionals on campuses. The schools have tried really hard to address it, but the problem's bigger than what a school or even a school system can handle right now. I agree. So there's, it's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, I just applied for two grants where we're applying for funding. We would train college students from Cal State Long Beach, which is our closest Cal State nearby. They would then spread this information to other students on campus and then take it to local high schools. But we're targeting those schools with lower um, income families so that we reach more of the people who right. might not otherwise get it. Good. And I'm, I know there are a lot of my colleagues who I talk to in other agencies are doing similar things. So the effort is broad, but the need is even broader. Yeah. And so it's, it's going to take some time Which to make so interesting. it mainstream. I'm sorry, what? We want to make it mainstream where, Good. like today, like with physical health, you don't just say, oh, I can only go to my doctor. You might go online and learn exercises you can do to stay in shape, or you may talk to a, a fitness coach, or there's all kinds of ways you would get help to remain physically healthy. With mental health, there's been this mystique. It's kind of like, well, they just need, you just need to see a therapist, a licensed person, and let's not talk about it. We'll get you to that licensed person. We don't have enough licensed people to deal with the crisis. You're right. And people can get help in many other ways. Our model is one where we have clinicians who are licensed. We have some who are on their way to becoming licensed. And we have people who are mental health specialists who have the training they need to work in different areas. And then we try to get people all the different things they need, whether it's education, healthcare, mental health therapy. It may not be therapy. It may be um, being part of a group of people, being connected to people in some way. Mm -hmm. um, it may be um, employment services. So there's, there's all kinds of ways that you can help people who are, who are being challenged by a lot of stress and trauma in their lives. And so we try to put together whatever someone most needs and what's going to help them. That's the good. Because it, there's so many different levels of needs. You know, it could be, as you said, where maybe somebody is, maybe a student's feeling very depressed because they are disconnected. And maybe they just need to find some connection with their peers and maybe find activities to reframe their mindset. Maybe, like I always say, um, I share my donut story, which I, I had, didn't tell you about this. So I I was out with my daughter and she was having a rough day and she had gone to Duncan. They messed up her order and she said, I don't have a receipt, you know, and she doesn't have a lot of money. And she says, how am I going to get my money back? I don't have a receipt. I said, you just bring your cup and your bag and you tell them. So I had, I'd been running errands with her. We, we went to the drive-thru and they said, sorry, we're closed. And my daughter looked at me. I said, we'll just ask for a manager. So we, we, pull up and they said, well, we're closed. There's no manager. And so an employee came forward and he, I explained what happened. He says, thank you for not yelling at us. Everybody was yelling at us. It was a Monday. And long story short, he said, can I give you donuts on top of the money I'm going to give you back? I said, no, we don't need any donuts. Thank you. He said, could you please take some donuts? Because every day we have to throw out this food and it really upsets me. And it could be going to those who are experiencing homelessness pull around the back. We pull around the back, Chris. 
And from floor to ceiling is an enormous cart of probably 500 items, muffins, donuts, croissants, in the trash every day. He said, could you please take some and go drop them off at a shelter? Absolutely. So we would do this five days a week at closing. I'd bring my daughters and I could see my, not only my mindset, but the mindset of my daughters who are in college. They were so uplifted to do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And as you know, like doing something for somebody else shifts your mindset. And that's what we've had a lot of people say, well, what can we do in terms of what's going on with the war overseas? And mm-hmm. um, I say, just find something you can do. If you can't find a yeah. way to do something for them, yes, do something for someone here. Call that's someone right. who lives alone. Mm-hmm. Um, call a friend who you think may have been depressed lately. Yes. Um, volunteer, you know. Just the act of just doing something for someone else is going to pull you out of feeling it's going to help. It may not be enough, but it will help a lot of people. Um, That's a really good thing to do. We also, um, we did not have a food program before the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, a lot of the people, we call them members, people we serve. Um, We had a number of, some of them were elderly and they, you know, like they had trouble opening cans or, um, you know, some of them, they were people who may have been homeless and now they're housed and people have all kinds of disabilities. We started a food program and we just went to restaurants and grocery stores. And there was, there's all this extra food that gets thrown away. Exactly. And plus some places said, well, we'll make you this many meals every day. Just come by. Wow. Um, so we were in one of our sites here in Long Beach, we were handing out, um, meals to people uh so that is beautiful there's a huge need and there's yeah there is a huge need i i've we've found that if you ask for partners people Mm want to help um a lot of things have been donated people have helped with services or items that we need um that's good just a lot of things (laughs) and it's true you have you have to tell people what you need yeah you have to ask it was great you got your daughter to ask Yes. Because that's what people are afraid to do. Well, they close the door. I can't do anything. No, call them up and ask. Right. Yes. You're going to be dealing with a human being and they'll either say yes or no. But once you get used to asking, that's going to help you later on. And when you're kind, I mean, it's not like we were flipping out. You better give us her money back. You know, when you're kind, it makes a big difference. That sounds great. That's a wonderful story. Thank you. I, I wanted to ask you, tell us about what kind of events you have or resources for people that are listening to you talk about Mental Health America LA? Okay, how, first of all, how broad is the, the people hearing this? Like what geographic areas? Oh, well, this show actually goes out to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Apple, and then wherever else everybody shares it. We have a lot of information on our website about not just our agency, but other places um, in the county, in the state, nationally, you can go to get information. And our website is mhala.org. Um, the, I would also recommend um, that you look, if you're in another state, look for a department of mental health in your state or city, and you'll find a lot of resources. 
there, the world is filled with nonprofits. It's a great thing. People start nonprofits, join them, work at them because they want to help in some way. If you also Google nonprofits in my area that deal with um, hunger, homelessness, mental health, things will come up no matter where you are. Um, because it's just, there are a lot of, and then you could find one that looks like what you want to get involved with. <clears throat> I think that's the most important thing. I, I probably asked you this earlier, um, but maybe you could dive a little deeper. So as far as your view on how are we going to get out of this mental health pandemic and is it avoidable in the future? I think that what's going to happen, I'm an optimist. Let me start by saying that. So some people may disagree with me, but I think that because of the pandemic, there are some good things that came out of it. Yes, it was awful. We're more aware of technology and how to use it. Mm -hmm. It's connected. Like our agency is now having um, large Zoom meetings with the entire staff or with the entire, we're a large agency of 400 staff with our entire leadership team. Before we would try to look for a place that's in the middle of where we are because we're all over LA County, but it's caused us to look for other ways to connect. So there's, there's more of an understanding that you can do a lot and connect with people through technology. Yeah. And that's a really positive thing that's come out of this. I also think, I really believe strongly that it's helped destigmatize mental health. I think that in the past we saw, well, if someone has, we would talk about mental illness. I don't like that term. Right. Um, you know, and you picture someone who's yelling at themselves, looking in a, a store window, who has someone who has serious mental illness. There are people who have serious mental illness, but like I said, we all have mental health. And it's a continuum. And I think there's more of a recognition of that. And I think there's less fear of the word mental health and less fear of talking to someone about it. Um, yes. You know, people have come out and acknowledged how they feel about things. Like Michelle Obama right. um, during the pandemic said, you know, I feel this kind of low grade depression. Mm -hmm. That did a lot of good for people to realize here's this person we admire and respect. And she's been through so much that she's feeling this because they're feeling it too. Yes. Um, if people are open, most people, I think, tend to say, I had these, it could have been a month, it could have been moments, it could have been part of the time where they were just really challenged in terms of how they were feeling. They spent more time feeling sad than feeling up. Yes. Um, it's just, it's, it's widespread. And I think as a result of that, a lot of the stigma has been cut off. So I'm that optimistically, I think that's gonna help us talk about it more, more conversations like this. I think there's gonna be more and more of that. Sure. There's more funding coming into it. There's more of an effort to take this out to the school systems and talk about it. So I, I'm optimistic that coming out of this, we're going to have more tools and more awareness and less stigma. That's we're good. going to need more resources. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to need more funding allocated to help people stay mentally healthy, especially people who've been hit with poverty, with extreme loss, with yes. the ones who are suffering the most. I mean, think about the student who loses a parent in the pandemic. And they were already drowning academically and there's not enough food on the table. 
but no one's checking in on them, perhaps at school. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I think there's more, what I've seen, like I said, I have a son who's in college who's been doing the remote learning part. Mm-hmm. I've sort of looking in from the outside, seen more tolerance among faculty to say, okay, how can I make this user-friendly for the students to try to help them? Because the students, it's just widespread that yes. they're they're worn out, they're tuning in, but they're frustrated, they feel right. disconnected. Yeah. Um, so I think I think there's more of an emphasis on what do we need to do to help people get through this, um, to help them stay in school right now at all right. levels. Yeah. Levels. I was watching uh, an LA Youth Com- Commission webinar, and someone was saying we need people to be kind, we need them to be empathetic, and to share their own stories. So an adult sharing their own story with a student that's struggling. Obviously, they don't know what it's like to sit in the shoes of that student, but we need good listeners and, and teachers are burnt out. Let's face it. One of the things that we're doing and focusing a lot of effort on with, with youth is peer programs, training some peers to go in and help other peers. We don't have enough professionals to help everyone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young people don't want to talk to an older person. They would rather yes. talk to someone younger. Right. That's it. And get the support they need. Mm-hmm. But that's a big effort that we're doing in colleges, high schools. That's school. great. Yeah. Because at a time when there is this disconnect from people to be able to talk to someone else mm-hmm. and hear, oh, you went through that too. I was feeling that way. Or, oh, you started that hobby in the pandemic. That's kind of cool. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. So much to share. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. So where can people find out more about you and your organization? Again, go to our website. It's We are Mental Health America of Los Angeles. The, the abbreviation is M-H-A-L-A. If you go to mhala.org, you will find us. Okay. We also have a page there with um, resources throughout the community, that just some helpful resources. That's great. Any, one last question. Any advice for parents that feel they have been completely disconnected from their, you know, Gen Zer in the past two years? Um, you know, it's it's hard. My son came home because of the pandemic. So I think mm-hmm. I got an extra couple of years with him that <laughs> just as I was going through empty nest stuff. Right. Um, but I think the thing to realize is that each generation is kind of in their own world their own state at any given time it's true most important thing is just to say hey how was your day Mm -hmm. how are you doing um not did you get your homework done or what are you doing with those college applications i think to to say very very clearly how are you um i think humor is a universal way of connecting definitely sometimes keeping it light because Mm -hmm. a lot of kids today are just worn out with the heaviness yeah. um, and just talk to them. They want to be asked how, they, even if they say, I don't want to talk right now, mm-hmm. it gets noticed that you asked. Sure. So yeah. I said, keep asking, um, yeah. keep saying hello. And um, it's true. you know, make a joke about something. <laughs> right. You know what I will say too, is in the experiences I've had talking to students, if they don't feel that they can talk to a parent, Ask them if there's someone else they want to talk to. Right. A coach, a teacher, someone, just to talk to someone. Maybe it's a grandparent because there is this intergenerational 
I call it the grandparent effect, someone that they can talk to, to be heard. Yeah. And I think it's important to encourage those relationships aside from just us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my son is very close to his godparents say, Oh, have you called your godmother recently? And Cause they're like aunts and uncles and it's a really close connection. I think you want to share your child with the world. Right. Or how's your friend doing? Mm-hmm. Asking about their friends who you know, because that's a big focus of their life right now. Definitely. And not taking it personally if they don't want to talk in that moment. Exactly. That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true, you know, because eventually they, they'll probably circle back to you. But for now, yeah. as long as they're talking to someone and you're not observing them just staying in their room, because I was hearing a lot of that. And also realizing that when they're staying in the room, maybe they're online talking to friends. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're just isolated because this Gen Z connects more than we do with people online. So that could be going on too. That is very true. Your conversation or voices, that's a good thing. Yes, I agree. Well, I have really enjoyed this, Dr. Miller. I want to thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's a great conversation. Wonderful topic. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I look forward to continuing.